0: And so this morning, we want to talk about just the Prince of Peace. We're going to be looking at a couple of passages from Mark chapter 4 to Isaiah 9, 6 to John chapter 14, verse 27. But before we do that, I want to share probably a story that's very familiar to you because um, it, was, it brought about one of the great hymns of our time. In, in the autumn of 1873... Horatio Spafford, a wealthy Chicago businessman, placed his wife Anna and their four children on the Via du Havre, sailing from New York to France. He was forced to stay in the United States for several more weeks to settle some business matters before he could journey to join the family in Europe. The evening of November 21st found the Via du Havre* uh, prow east toward France on a calm Atlantic. The journey was progressing beautifully. A few hours later, about 2 o'clock in the morning on November 22nd, the Via du Avri was carrying its sleeping passengers over a quiet sea when two terrific claps like thunder were followed by th- frightening screams. The engine stopped. The ship stood still. Passageways were filled with terrified, half-dressed people shouting questions that no one could answer. The Via du Avri had been rammed by the English vessel, the Earn. Mrs. Spafford saw three of her uh, children swept away by the sea while she stood clutching the youngest child. Suddenly she felt her baby torn violently from her arms. She reached out through the water and caught little uh, Tanita's gown. For a minute she held her again, then the cloth wrenched from her hand. She reached out again and touched a man's leg and corduroy trousers. She became unconscious. She awoke later, finding that she had been rescued by sailors from the locker room. But her four children were gone. In the meantime, Horatio Spafford was back in the United States, desperate to receive news of his family. Finally, the blow fell. A cable arrived from Wales, stating that the four daughters were lost at sea, but his wife was still alive. He was crushed with what had happened. All night, he walked the floor in anguish. Toward the morning, he turned to his friend, Major Whittle, and said, "'I am glad to trust the Lord when it costs me something.'" On the way across the Atlantic to join his wife, the captain announced that they were now passing the place where the Via Avri was wrecked. For Horatio Spafford, this was passing through the valley of the shadow of death. He sat down in his cabin on the high seas near the place where his children perished and wrote the hymn that would give comfort to so many, titled, It Is Well With My Soul. And so these are the first two verses of that great hymn. As he's writing... When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Verse 2, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. So peace is a lot like joy. It can be experienced even when there is turmoil and chaos, hardship, trouble, violence, and fear. As the hymn so beautifully captures, this journey of peace is not immune from those things. In fact, they are central to the story. We learn that peace is not the absence of trouble, but rather the presence of God. Nearly 20 years ago, I... uh, We moved from Ohio to Missouri, and I went to the doctor for a regular physical. But the blood work caused the doctor to order a glucose tolerance test. So those are always fun, aren't they? Especially for someone who hates needles, because they're drawing blood multiple times, right? And so the test revealed that I had minimally high blood sugar. I was also struggling with minimally high blood pressure numbers, and so the doctor asked me all of the questions they normally ask to determine if there's anything that I should stop doing. Do you smoke? No. Do you drink alcohol? No. Do you take drugs? No. The doctor then asked me a couple of other questions. Do you exercise regularly? No. Are you under any stress? Yes. A lot of stress. We had just moved to Missouri not long before this appointment. We had bought our first home. I started a new job at the headquarters of Child Evangelism Fellowship. Judy, and I had, or Judy had just had a miscarriage before we moved to Missouri, and now she was expecting Levi. Was I under stress? You better believe it. A lot of stress. And so the doctor's response was, Well, there's nothing I can tell you to stop doing, but I would encourage you to start exercising every day. So I started riding a stationary bike in our basement. I started out slow and eventually was riding between 20 and 30 minutes a day. I lost a little bit of weight, but I didn't leave, need to lose much back then. Maybe I should start again, right? But the, cardio, the cardiovascular workout was good for my heart. It helped with the blood pressure, helped with the blood sugar. And, of course, we started eating um, cardboard. No, I mean a low-sugar diet. That tastes like cardboard. Anyhow, (laughs) exercise was just a part of what I started doing. But I also started praying specifically about my blood pressure and my blood sugar, that God would just intervene. Prayer is what motivated me to continue to exercise, and it helped to bring peace. I knew that everything was going to be all right because God was with me. And so what pain are you facing this season? What struggles are, you, are weighing you down as you sit in the pew here this morning? What anxiety and stress are, stri- are stirring up chaos in your spirit right now? Those pressures and problems can be both external and internal. We often take the external pressures and problems and internalize them. When we internalize those pressures and problems, we begin to experience health problems. It's our body's way of telling us that something isn't right. Stomach ulcers are a sign that our body is producing too much acid. High blood pressure can be an indication that stress is present. Headaches and muscle aches can be an indicator that our bodies are tense. Insomnia can be a result of our brains trying to process the problems and pressures that we're experiencing. It's our subconscious trying to work things out. And so are you willing to open your heart to God's peace even in the midst of your struggles today? And through this journey of peace today, we can be reassured of our big idea, which is that God's presence provides peace. So would you bow your heads with me as we just commit that to the Lord in prayer? Lord, we come to you today. Lord, our, our culture, our world, our, our country, even our states, there, there's all kinds of turmoil going on, all kinds of things that sometimes we just don't even understand, Lord God. There is not peace in our world. Lord, we might be coming this morning and there isn't peace in our family. There may not be peace in our neighborhood. There may not be peace at work, Lord God. But we thank you today that your presence provides peace for us. I just ask, Lord God, that as we look into your word now, that you would provide that peace that surpasses all understanding, that will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. (laughs) Would we look to you and trust you? Now, Lord, come by your Holy Spirit. Fill each heart and mind. Fill this vessel this morning so that your people will hear your voice. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so this journey of peace is certainly an appropriate journey for our world today. Just as the ancient Roman world would have felt during that first Christmas, our world seems full of violence, warfare, and uncertainty. In addition, the pressures of our daily lives barrage us at an unparalleled pace. Ours is a world in desperate need of peace. However, it's a world where the Prince of Peace has walked, and he understands He has come, and he is present. His peace is available to us today. So when I think about peace, it's peace in the midst of turmoil, right? That first Christmas, we sing about that first Christmas night being a silent night where everything was calm and bright. I'm not sure that's exactly what the characters in the Christmas story were experiencing. The city of Bethlehem was hustling and bustling with an influx of those who were from the line of David, they had been told they he needed to go there for the census. The city was filled to beyond capacity with people from all over the region. These travelers were tired, dirty, and probably testy. <clears throat> Everyone was trying to find a place to stay and perhaps food to eat. Mary and Joseph were perhaps anxious, nervous, and stressed as Mary went through her first delivery. And it was shortly after giving birth that the shepherds began to arrive sometime during Jesus' first two years of life. The Magi arrived in Jerusalem. They questioned King Herod about the whereabouts of the baby who had been born king of the Jews. Matthew tells us that King Herod was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. He wasn't at peace. And if he wasn't, no one else was. The news of Jesus' birth didn't bring peace to King Herod. And like I said, since the king was disturbed, so were his subjects. King Herod ordered that all the boys two years of age and younger living in Bethlehem and the surrounding vicinity were to be killed, as we see in Matthew 2.16. So imagine the chaos King Herod's order created in Bethlehem and the surrounding villages. The parents of two-year-old boys and younger were not experiencing peace. It was chaos. It was turmoil. So can you relate to the chaos that they were a part of that first Christmas. Perhaps you're going to be traveling or have already traveled to be uh, here this morning, and you understand the exhaustion, the frustration, the testiness that travelers of the first century felt because you're feeling that today. Maybe you're experiencing interruptions of a quiet family time together as others come to see you. Some of you may be experiencing the birth of a child or the loss of a loved one during this Christmas season, so you understand the exhaustion and emotions involved in both of those scenarios. Our journey of peace is not one separated from the realities of life, but a journey of peace in the midst of life with its noise and chaos. I just want to read the lyrics to Andrew Peterson's song, The Rain Keeps Falling. He's going through a lot when he wrote these lyrics. You'll hear it in just a moment as I get further down in the song. But he's struggling. He's not at peace. And yet in the middle of the song, you see the words of Jesus. Here's the words. I tried to be brave, but I hid in the dark. I sat in that cave and I prayed for a spark to light up all the pain that remained in my heart. And the rain kept falling. Down on the roof of the church where I cried, I could hear all the laughter and love, and I tried to get up and get out, but a part of me died, and the rain kept falling down. Well, I'm scared if I open myself to be known, I'll be seen and despised and be left all alone. I'm so stuck in this tomb, and you won't move the stone, and the rain keeps falling." Somewhere the sun is a light in the sky, but I'm dying in North Carolina, and I can't believe there's an end to this season of night, and the rain keeps falling down, falling down, falling down. There's a woman at home, and she's praying for a light. My children are there, and they love me in spite of the shadow I know that they see in my eyes, and the rain keeps falling. I'm so tired of this game, of these songs of the road, I'm already ashamed of the line I just wrote, but it's true and it feels like I can't sing a note and the rain keeps falling down, falling down, falling down. Peace, be still. Peace, be still. My daughter and I put the seeds in the dirt and every day now we've been watching the earth for a sign that this death will give way to a birth and the rain keeps falling down on the soil where the sorrow is laid and the secret of life is igniting the grave. And I'm dying to live, but I'm learning to wait, and the rain is falling. Peace, be still. Peace, be still. I just want to be new again. Peace, be still. I just want to be closer to you again. Peace, be still. Lord, I can't find the song, I'm so tired, I'm always so wrong. Help me be brave tonight. Jesus, uh, please help me out of this cave tonight. Peace be still. I've been calling and calling. This rain just keeps falling. Peace be still. I've been calling and calling, but this rain just keeps falling and falling. Is it you? Is it you? Peace be still. Is it true? Is it you? Peace be still. Peace, peace. So you know those lyrics contain a long and honest confession of so many struggles, right? You heard it in the words. Notice it interjected into the lyrics of the words of Jesus, peace be still. We can have peace in the midst of life and a fallen world with God's presence in our lives. The words that Jesus spoke are found in in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. Would you turn there with me if you have your Bibles? This is what God's word says. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. So the disciples were in a situation where they felt helpless. They were afraid. It says that they were terrified. And Jesus is just sleeping peacefully, right? In the stern of the boat, the storm didn't bother him at all. He knew what was about to happen. After the disciples woke him up, he immediately rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And a lot of other translations just say, peace, be still. And then Jesus asked his disciples, why were they so afraid? His second question concerned their faith in him. The disciples should have known by this point that Jesus was all-powerful. His power from God extended to all of creation. You see, God's presence was with Jesus, so Jesus' presence provides peace. Jesus' presence in our lives provides peace also. We don't have to fear when pain, struggles, anxiety, and stress stir up chaos in our spirit. We can have faith in Jesus who is all-powerful, all-knowing, and sovereign. Perhaps you need to express that faith today. And that's our first next step. It's on the back of your communication card. And that's to trust by faith in the peace that Jesus' presence can bring during the pain, struggles, anxiety, and stress of. Fill that in today. I've found that Jesus' peace can be found in reading God's word, the Bible. It can be found in praying, just kneeling down before him, just talking to God. And God talking to us requires us to sit quietly and patiently before him. That's hard for us in our day and age, isn't it? To just sit with no distractions but we can experience peace in those moments as well. Some people have a specific place where they go to find peace from the chaos of their lives. It may be out into the woods. It may be around a lake. It may be some other place. Jesus brings peace right in the center of our hurt and frantic striving. He brings power to cease the noise, to calm the storm, and overwhelm our hearts with his restorative sense of perfect peace. He is indeed the Prince of Peace. We see that in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Peace is not just a feeling or a state of being. Peace is a person. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. By sending his son, God sent peace into the world. Paul tells the Ephesian Gentiles that before they came to faith in Christ, they were separate from Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 says this, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. That's the condition of every person who's born. We are separated from God and Christ, and we have no hope. Sin is what separates us from God and Christ. Sin is the rejection of God and His authority in our lives. We become our own boss or our own authority when we reject Christ. And God's Word tells us that when we reject Him and become our own boss, that there is a consequence for that. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is a death. That's the consequences. It's not a physical death because we are still alive, right? And we're all sinners. But it's a spiritual death. It's a separation from God. We can't be in heaven where he's at as long as we have that darkness the sin in our lives. And when we reject God and his plans and way, we are really at war with him. And perhaps you've experienced that in the past or are experiencing it right now. You know that God is pursuing you because he puts people in your life who talk to you about him. Your reaction towards them is harsh and unkind, not because you don't like that person, but because you're at war with God. You're not at peace with him. Phil Robertson of Duck Dynasty talks about his life in his book, Happy, Happy, Happy. He thought he was happy, but he was busy, as he says, romping, stomping, and ripping with his drinking buddies. He owned a honky-tonk bar at this point in his life. His sister decided that Phil needed to hear about Jesus, so she brought her pastor, Bill Smith, with her to the bar. This was Phil's reaction. You some kind of preacher? I immediately asked him. When Smith told me he was, I added, You ever been drunk? Yes, I used to drink a few beers, he told me. Well, what's the difference between you and me? I asked him. You've been uh, drunk, and I'm getting drunk right now. There ain't a dime's worth of difference between you and me, Jack. You ain't putting any Bible on me. That's the way I was born. There was a rejection of God, right? So God made a way for us to be reconciled to him, to have peace with him. It's through the Prince of Peace, Jesus. I read the verses already. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. And so in this passage, Paul is talking to both Jews and Gentiles. He was explaining that through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, all people could now be reconciled to God. It wasn't just for the Jews anymore. And Jesus' sacrifice brought peace between the Jews and the Gentiles it, was also, um, it also brought peace between God and humanity. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, we read these words, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing we can do on our own to deal with our sin problem. There's nothing we can do on our own to deal with our rejection of God. God, in his infinite wisdom, justice, and love, provided a way for us to be reconciled to him, to have peace with him. And it's through faith in what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Justified can be defined as just as if I'd never sinned. And that's how God sees us when we admit our, that we are sinners, repent of our sins, and trust in Jesus by faith. And perhaps you're ready to be reconciled to God today, to be at peace with God You're ready to end the war with God. You're ready to accept God's authority in your life instead of rejecting Him. So maybe you're ready to take that second next step today, and that's to recognize Jesus as the Prince of Peace, admit I am a sinner, repent of my sins, and have peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Peace with God does not guarantee freedom from pain, struggles, anxiety, and loss, and stress. We're human And we're still fallible. We still make mistakes and fail to trust God in every area of our lives. We see Mary's example in the midst of all that was happening that first Christmas. We're told that Mary in Luke 2.19 treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. On the surface, Mary's life did not become more peaceful. If anything, things got crazier with the announcement of her miraculous pregnancy and the birth of a new baby. But Mary was learning to trust the one who was in control. And we can can surrender control. That means stop worrying, stop planning, stop striving to the Prince of Peace. We can find rest in him. The inner and outer chaos, anxiety, noise, and busyness of life may not change, but we can experience peace because we trust the one who's in control. So where do you need to surrender and enter the journey of peace this season? I want to encourage you to, re- to pause and embrace the words of the psalmist in Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. Would you embrace that today? As you face family gatherings tomorrow that might have some drama, can you just sit quietly this afternoon and just, be at peace and be still. The same things I mentioned earlier about how to find Jesus' peace also apply to being still and knowing that God is God, reading his word and spending time in prayer and repeating scripture. And This can happen in the morning before your day begins, throughout your day as needed, and before going to bed. And while we can experience peace through Jesus Christ, we also realize that the world around us may still be experiencing pain, struggles, anxiety, and stress. And so we have this peace for the world. We see it in John chapter 14, verse 27. All we have to do is look at the news coverage to realize that our world is not at peace. Ukraine and Russia are at war, right? Israel and Palestine are at war. Hostages are being mistreated. Refugees uh, are far from home. Our neighbors are hurting. There's violence in our schools and in our streets. Church leadership teams are just discussing strategies to provide a safe and secure environment for their parishioners to worship in. There is anger in our families. And while Jesus brought peace to the earth when he came the first time, it's not a perfect or complete peace for us. He had that perfect peace. We live in the tension between the already and not yet. We know that Jesus has won the battle over sin and death, but the manifestation of that victory is still to be revealed when Jesus comes again. In the interim, we are encouraged to draw close to God and to rely on him for peace. You see, because God's presence provides peace. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 say this, Do not be anxious about anything, But in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We can have that peace by simply just crying out to him with thanksgiving about the things that we're going through. God's peace doesn't make sense to us as humans. It transcends our understanding. It's beyond our ability to understand have you or someone you know, have known experienced that kind of peace? Perhaps they've gotten news about their health that's concerning, but instead of worrying about it, they immediately begin to pray. And while they should be stressed, they're at peace. When someone loses their job or is just struggling financially, yet uh, they're not anxious about the situation but are trusting God, it doesn't make sense, right? That's the peace of God that transcends our understanding. when we have interpersonal uh, issues going on. We can have peace because we're trusting in God. Our natural inclination is to worry, to fret and complain instead of turning to God in prayer, waiting on Him and experiencing His peace. So often we come to God asking Him to change our circumstances or those around us. And sometimes God answers our prayer by changing our circumstances or those around us. Most often, he uses difficult circumstances to change us. He wants us to be transformed and to grow in our faith. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, and sovereign. He knows what's best for us. Aren't you glad for that today? He will not give us more than we're able to bear without providing a way of escape. Perhaps you're feeling anxious right now about a particular circumstance in your life, now is the time to turn to God in prayer and present your position, petitions to Him with thanksgiving. So maybe you're ready to take this third next step today, and that's just to turn to God in prayer with thanksgiving because I'm feeling anxious about. How would you feel in that blank today? Jesus gave His disciples a promise that is still relevant for us today. He promised them the gift of peace. John chapter 14, verse 27 says this Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not, let your, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Are you living in that reality today? Jesus has given us his peace. But are you feeling that? Are you experiencing that? We can claim that promise for ourselves today. We don't have to be afraid because we serve a God who is in control of everything. Whatever is causing you pain, struggle, anxiety, and stress, now, in the end, Jesus' peace will overcome it. His peace will sustain us through our difficulties, which may be great, but are also momentary, as Paul writes to the Corinthian believers. So as we review today, can you trust by faith in the peace that Jesus' presence can bring during the pain, struggles, anxiety, and stress that you're currently experiencing? Can you recognize that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, admit that you're a sinner, repent of your sins, and have peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ? Can you turn to God in prayer with thanksgiving about the circumstances you're feeling anxious about? I hope so because God's presence provides peace. John Stott says this. He says, let me quote from the end of Kenneth uh, Kenneth LaTourette's seventh volume history, or seven volume history of the expansion of Christianity. Referring to Jesus, he says, no life ever lived on this planet has been so influential in the affairs of men as that of Christ. From that brief life and its apparent frustration that flowed, a more powerful force for the triumphal waging of man's long battle than any other Uh, than any other ever known by the human race. Through it, millions of people have had their inner conflicts resolved. Through it, hundreds of millions have been lifted from illiteracy and ignorance and have been placed upon the road of growing intellectual freedom and and control over the physical environment. It It has done more to allay the physical ills of disease and famine than any other impulse. And it has emancipated millions from chattel slavery and millions of others from thraldrum to vice. It has protected tens of millions from exploitation by their fellows, and it has been the most fruitful source of movements to lessen the horrors of war and to put the relations of men and nations on the basis of justice and peace. This is the influence of Jesus through his followers in society. Don't underestimate the power and the influence that even a small minority can exert in the community. So has Jesus changed you? Are you experiencing his peace today? Can you help others to understand that peace? I hope so. You know, as the ushers prepare to take up the tithes and offerings and the communication cards, uh, would you just bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord, we just come to you. We thank you for your peace that passes all understanding. We thank you that in your sovereignty, you know how much we can bear. We thank you that we can turn to you, whether in prayer or reading of your word or just sitting quietly before you. I pray today that whatever each individual is experiencing, whatever anxiety they're struggling with, whatever fear they're dealing with, whatever frustration they're concerned about, Lord, would they experience your peace today? I just commit your people to you in prayer today, Lord. We just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.